You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. You know, I'm, a, I'm amazed when we look in history. I don't know if you want to turn this down just a little bit. Um, I'm amazed when we look in history how one person can make such a major change to other people's lives, whether for good or for bad. Uh, just most recently, we'll have all seen on the news in New Zealand this mass shooting and Countless lives and families have been now forever changed because of one person's act, correct? In one short moment, almost 50 families and extended families and, and friends and all of these lives have been impacted because of one person's negative actions. But equally, we see throughout history people who've done heroic things in, in war times or in times where there's great need or when there's a fire or a disaster and they risk their lives and they, they save others and they change someone's life because of what they've done. These people uh, are amazing. People that step out and risk everything to, to help someone else. However, when we look through uh, history, there are two people who did certain acts that changed history more than any other two people. Two people changed the world like nobody else. Two people. Now, I know your first answer is Jesus. But who's the second one? Hmm. Paul, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> this morning, we're going to learn something fresh. It's found right at the beginning of the Bible. Romans, actually, is not found at the beginning of the Bible. We're going to read Romans. <laughs> Just keeping you on your toes this morning. You're going to track with me in this message. We're going to read chapter 5 of Romans, and it speaks of someone who is at the beginning of the Bible in, in Genesis, a guy by the name of Adam. And uh, we're going to read about two acts today of two people that changed course of history. And uh, we're going to start with reading verse 12, 12 to 21. And it says this, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, who was that one man? Adam, there you go. One man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as, Adam, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the results of one man's sin. The judgment followed one, one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigns through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. Just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many were made righteous. The law was brought so the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, 
so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace may reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we look in Genesis, we see the very first act, the, the one man's act, that brought a change from every, to everyone who followed him. This, this one act was this act of disobedience. You think, we didn't have, at this point, Adam didn't, wasn't given the Ten Commandments, was he? In fact, he was really only given one commandment. Don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat of that. That's the one commandment. You're to be fruitful. We looked at this in the past weeks. He, he was to be fruitful. He was to, to subdue the earth. But really, the one thing he wasn't to do wasn't the Ten Commandments. It was the one commandment. And he broke the one commandment he was given. He disobeyed the very thing, the one thing, the only thing that God had asked him not to do. This was then starting this ripple effect that started to make its way throughout history. There were consequences now to this one act of sin, this one act of rebellion to God that became a ripple effect that affects you and I today, thousands of years later. How amazing. One act. One act of rebellion. One act of doing your own thing. Three things in particular happened at this moment in history. As we read in this passage today. Sin entered the world. At this point, up to this point, sin was not part of the equation. Sin was not in the heart of man. Can I just say that? Adam was not born with a flaw. He was born with a free will. There's a fundamental difference. We, he didn't, wasn't, he wasn't created he wasn't born in this earth with a flaw or disposition to sin. He was given a free will to choose. And he chose to listen to the voice of the enemy over listening to the commandments of God. And at that point, sin entered the heart of mankind. Sin entered the human race. And, and there's something that, that began to change in this world. Even though the law had not yet been given, sin was, was at work in the heart of man. Sin was embedded into the heart of each person. It was a predisposition in each one, each person who followed Adam onwards to rebel against God, to go against God's way, to, to, to do the very things that was against God's heart. And even though the law wasn't there, sin was there. It just hadn't been clarified yet. As we see, it was embedded to do our own thing. The law hadn't been given until the time of Moses, but Really, when the law was given, it just illuminated. It was like shining a light in a pit and exposing all the gross things that were there. The law just shone the light of where the heart of man really was. It made it clear what sin was. There wasn't a trespass until there was a law, but actually it didn't mean that there wasn't sin. Sin was there because the effects of sin were evident. From the point of Adam onwards, we see that actually there was a, a condemnation. As we see in verse 18, there was a condemnation. It says this, it says, Consequently, just as one trespass, one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people. One trespass, condemnation. What is condemnation? Condemnation is, is the sentencing of all people. We, we, we were condemned. Because of the one sin, because of this one act, actually, we all we became lawbreakers. We all became people that were condemned. There was, there was something against us now. And all the human race had fallen short of God's perfection. And the sentencing of this condemnation was death. Correct? 
For the wages of sin is death. We see in Romans 6, 23. So death then became this next effect. So first of all, disobedience led to sin. And sin then led to condemnation. And condemnation then led to death. And death became the final outcome for every human being because we had fallen short of God's best, His perfection. No one, no one in all of history is perfect except Jesus. No one. And so we all have this condemnation, this, this, this thing written against us. And sin reigned in death. We see this in verse 21. So just as sin reigned in death, this is how we know that even before the law was given, sin was alive because the effect of sin was there. Death. Death of man. Death of the mortal body. Death of the soul. Death of, of all that is good that God created was death. Was the result of the sin. Death referred to our mortal bodies, but more importantly, this eternal death, this destruction, this eternal separation from God, this torment, this death that God never intended for man when He created us. Although there was a, there was a consequence for disobedience. There was a consequence for doing our own thing. And so this one act of Adam affects each one of us, doesn't it? When we are born into this world, we, we come under the line of Adam. By default, we, we don't have to learn to be bad. We learn to be good. It's, it's in all of us to be not good people. Little children are not nice people all on their own. They have their moments of sunshine, but they have their nasty moments. Those two year old moments where you think, where did this evil little person come from? As you're shopping in the grocery store and they're throwing a temper tantrum or, you know, they're, they're just doing their own thing and, and you think, well, what's going on here? It's the sin embedded in the heart of each person. It's there. And you have to refine it. You have to change it. And you have to work to be good. But actually, it's in all of us. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have this at work in us. This one act, this unstoppable force. This is the result of disobedience. But God also had one act to play. And what's interesting, if, if he was going to write out a script, and actually we're working through a timeline. This isn't, uh, this isn't kind of a, a cycle of, of life. Actually, there's a, there's a plan that God has. And so although Act 1 that we just read actually was Act 2, because Act 1 was already in play before Act 2, with what we just read about Adam, took place. Before the creation of the world, it was already planned what God was going to do. We see this in Scripture. Before Adam sinned, there was already a plan. God already had a plan for you and for me to redeem us, to set us free. In fact, before the creation of the world, God knew. He sent His Son, Jesus, into the world to save the world from the act of Adam. Jesus stepped into this, this world as a, as a perfect person. You know, Jesus was just like Adam before the fall. Correct? Adam was sinless and perfect and at perfect union with the Father before the fall. Jesus steps into the world, not born of, or not, not from the, the, the as the Bible speaks about it, he wasn't born of this, this world, he was born of the Spirit. However, Jesus stepped into the world perfect. But instead of disobeying the Father, he obeyed the Father. Instead of disobeying, Adam disobeyed and it brought death. Now, Jesus obeyed the Father. Now we see this most contrasting 
kind of challenge of wills in Gethsemane, when Jesus was, was seeing what was laying before him, he knew what was coming. And he said, if it, not my will, but your will be done. There was this ultimate point of him saying, God, I obey. Father, I obey your will. I will die for these people. I will take this, the punishment. I will take it as this is your plan. Now, this obedience required death upon the cross that we're going to look at in these next couple of weeks. Death upon the cross, which had this significant uh, effect for, for you and for me, this, this death that was for our benefit, for our, uh, he took our place. And this, just like for Adam, there was an effect that, that kind of put into place the sin, the disobedience led to sin, which led to condemnation, which led to death. The same thing happens in reverse, but in a greater sense. In fact, this one act of obedience had a greater impact. We see throughout this passage, it says much more than, more than. There's this, this understanding that sin has a certain power, but God's power is greater than. There's a, there's a greater than effect of, of what Christ did on our behalf. This one act of Christ overshadows all that had gone before it. Light and darkness do not compete. But when God shines his light, the darkness vanishes. And the first thing that he brought, we see in this passage, is grace. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. What an amazing thought. No matter how much sin is in the world, and I know we talk about how bad the world is getting, but you know what? Christ has paid the penalty for all the sin. Where sin increased, grace increases all the more. You know, you cannot have sinned enough for grace not to be greater. I just want you to think about that. Some people think, I've done so many bad things. How can God forgive me? You know, God has paid a price for all of our sins in our past, present, and future. He died on the cross once. He's not still dying for our sins. He died for our sins. Where sin increased, grace increases all the more. Increased all the more. His grace never falls short. For your sin. And what does this mean? What does grace mean? It's His unmerited favor. It's His forgiveness that we stand not condemned, but we stand in this presence where we're forgiven before God. That all of our sins, we're not, we're not worthy of it, but because of what Christ did, He takes all of our suffering. He takes all that we've done. He says, I paid for that. And I show you my favor. I show you my favor. Not because of who you are, but because of who I am. I show you my grace. You might sin, but you know what? Grace is, my grace is greater. My grace is greater than your sin. His grace empowers us to stop sinning. It, it removes the power of sin in our lives. That is what grace does. His grace doesn't enable us to keep sinning. It actually removes the power of sin in our lives. This is a fundamental. His grace empowers us to change. You know, you and I, and Paul talks about this in another part of scripture where, you know, the things we want to do, we don't do. And the things we don't want to do, we do do. Right? And there's a, he does a lot more do's than that kind of do's and don't do's in that passage of scripture. But Paul illuminates this fact that if we said, you need to please God by obeying the Ten Commandments, we would all fail. Wouldn't we? We would all fall short. In fact, probably even before we left, we would fall short. Loving God with all of our heart, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Are we doing that really? 
Are we annoyed that we got such a big queue for the coffee? That my coffee has too much milk in it or whatever that is, you know. All right, we fall short so quickly. Instantaneously, I dare say. And yet God's grace has been given for us that it isn't up to us to be good enough. It isn't by works that we're saved, but actually we're saved by grace through what Christ has done. This is the fundamental of our Christian faith. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. We're saved by God's amazing grace. And I know coming into Easter, we've got to come back to the fundamentals of our faith. This is where it's at. You can't be good enough to please God. It does not work. It only comes by e- being in Christ, being in His presence, being in, in faith in Him. Actually, He gives us the power then to stop sinning and to live like He calls us to live, by living in step with the Spirit. And so we have, first of all, grace, but then grace goes on to another step. Grace leads us to being justified. Justified. We are then made right before God. And it's this amazing picture. We stand, we come into this world guilty of death, condemned. Jesus came into this world in this one act of the cross. He, he takes every penalty, every, every penalty for every sin you've ever done, every fallen short of, of God's best that we've all done. He, he takes it and he, he dies on the cross and he pays this debt that you and I could never pay. We looked at this on Friday night with youth. Why is it, why can we not pay our debt? Because death is the penalty and we can't recover from death. Correct? It's a one-way sentence. We, we can't get out of it. So, we, yeah, we pay it in the sense that we die, but we can't come out. It's a one-way trip. So when Jesus says, I'm going to die for your sins, I'm going to pay for everything, and the, the slate is going to be wiped, wiped clean, you are now justified before God. You stand before God as the righteousness of Christ Jesus. He looks at you and he sees Jesus. Now I know it's difficult for us to think that, how can I think of myself as, as being right or, or pure or, or perfect? But in Christ we are. And it's wrong to think we are not. We're not just a sinner saved by grace. No, we are saved by grace. We don't live out our sinful nature. We live out of the grace position of being justified with Christ. And so when God looks at us, He does not see our sin, He does not see our faults, He sees Jesus because of His grace. You know, it's a wonderful thought that the sentencing that we deserved, Jesus took our place for. We now stand with our debt being paid. And because our debt has been paid, you know what, this is the best part of all. The penalty of sin was death, but actually death no longer has a hold on us because we're no longer condemned. So what does that mean? If you're not condemned to death because you're justified in Christ, what does that mean? It means we now have life. And not just some kind of superficial goosebump experience life. We have life by law. Because the penalty of death has been paid, we now stand... Even logically, you look at this, we're free from death. The Bible says it. We're free from death. Eternal life. So just as sin reigned in death, we see in verse 21, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring what? Eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Sin reigned in death, but now grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus receives life. You see, we couldn't recover from death. That was our sentence for sin. We died and we're dead. In my lifetime, I've never seen anyone not go the other direction. No, does that make sense? I've never seen, oh, I've seen people die, but I've not seen them change from death. But when Jesus died, because he was paying for our penalty, and not his penalty, he was able to pay the penalty and he was then raised to life. Now he then has the ability to give life. And if the same power that raised Christ, uh, raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, actually he has the power to raise us from the dead. Not only in the, the afterlife, but actually now. Before we come to Christ, before we acknowledge Jesus, there is something in our lives that is dead. Our, our spirit man is dead. It's like a, an engine that's a three-cylinder engine, but we got our emotions, we got our mind, we got, we got our body, but our spirit man is dead. And, and we're misfiring. We're not experiencing life to the full. But when Jesus comes and we put our faith in Him, He, he ignites something in us that's life. How many of you have experienced that in your journey? Something changes because Jesus comes and he breathes his spirit upon us. And now something changes from the inside out. The Bible talks about being born again. We're born of his spirit. There's something that changes. And, and now we've got a new purpose to live. We, we've got something. We're no longer on death row just waiting to die. But actually we've got something to live for, which is eternal life. Right? This is what Paul talks over and over and over again. Set your minds upon what is eternal. Why? Because that's where you're going. You've got a new life in Jesus. Now live for it. You're no longer sentenced to death. You're no longer bound by sin. You're no longer condemned, but we're free. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are set free to live for Him. Now live for the kingdom. Live for the purposes of God. Because that's what Jesus has done for you. The act of one man. 2,000 years ago, dying on the cross and being raised for the life, paid for our penalty of sin and death once and for all, so that you and I, at this point, 2,000 years later, could be justified by His grace, so that we would have life here and now to live for what is eternal and not for what is temporal. This is the one act of Jesus. Oh, the biggest act that ever has hit history. Where is the power of sin and death now that it's been conquered by Jesus? It's been destroyed. The life that Christ gives destroys death in it and is far greater. This life we experience now is, 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 is starts at this point, but it's also eternal. And you know what? You and I actually also have one act to play in this whole story, in this play of, of life. Adam had an act. His act was disobedience. Jesus had an act which was a far greater act, which was obedience, which brought life instead of death. But then you and I, the, the role is kind of put into our place and we have a choice as to whether we take hold of what Christ has done for us. So we don't. We have also one act. We can either choose to follow and put our faith in Jesus or we can say, you know what? It's not for me. I, I, I don't care. I don't want to be a fanatical. Do you know what's interesting? 
is that when we say yes to Jesus, when we obey what God has done for us, it always will produce life in us. And, and even for those who said, yeah, I made that decision years ago. Do you know what? It still is true today. Every time we say yes to Jesus or yes to the leading of God, it brings life. But equally, the same thing goes every time we disobey God, every time we choose to reject his best for our lives, it also brings death to us. Death to plans, death to, to God's best. You know, we see in Deuteronomy this, this choice of, 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 of living life or, or choosing death. And there's this odd admonition to, uh, admonishment. There we go. To Israel to choose life. Choose life. Choose obedience to God. Choose life. You know, I realized this morning that maybe for many of you, this is going right back to the basics. You think, ah, oh, this isn't really, I would like something more meaty. Do you know what? This is as meaty as it gets. You think of how much Paul and Peter and Jane, they come back to this point over and over. You know, if we can understand the three fundamentals of what Jesus has done for us, it'll change our lives completely. If we understand that we are forgiven by God's grace, that we are justified, we're no longer condemned, and that we have life and God calls us to live life to the full. You know, if we understand and live out these three fundamentals of what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf, it will change our trajectory of how we live today. God doesn't want us to live just a sinner, holding on to a little bit of God's grace. He wants us to live as the redeemed. He wants us to live as a part, a set apart people, called out. According to his plan for his good works. He, he doesn't want us just to kind of hold on to this old life. And we're just kind of holding on a little bit of Jesus. And we've got a little bit of both. No, no, no. He wants us to be in with both feet. Grabbing hold of what God has done for us. Choosing life. Choosing what Jesus has done. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.